I dwell in possibility. I dwell in possibility, a fairer house than prose, more numerous of windows, superior for doors, of chambers as the cedars, impregnable of eye, and for an everlasting roof, the gambrels of the sky, of visitors, the fairest, for occupation, this, the spreading wide of narrow hands to gather paradise. And I have two poems to read. The first, Picnic to the Earth by Shintaro Tanikawa. Here, let's jump rope together. Here. Here, let's eat balls of rice together. Here, let me love you. Your eyes reflect the blueness of sky. Your back will be stained to wormwood green. Here, let's learn the constellations together. From here, Let's dream of every distant thing. Here, let's gather low-tide shells from the sea at dawn. Let's bring back little starfish at breakfast. We will toss them out. Let the night be drawn away. Here, I'll keep saying, I am back. While you repeat, welcome home. Here, let's come again and again. Here, let's drink hot tea. Here, let's sit together for a while. Let's be blown by the cooling breeze. And the second poem is Open Up the Doors by Linda Susan Ulrich. Open up the doors, push on looming wooden arches embroidered with ironwork. Brace shoulders against the weight of history unmoved. Slough off the musty smell of unused joy and stored up sorrow. Knock rust off the hinges if you have to and let your breath precede you inside. Open up the doors more. Make room for a shaft of sunlight to cross the threshold. Give the dust motes something to dance about. Peek through a single slice of possibility and name even the half-hidden truths you see. Open the doors still wider. Pour yourself through the gap. Strut or sneak or sidle as suits you best. Cleanse whatever scrapes your skin and bind up the wounds that keep you from entering whole. Open the doors as far as they will go. Draw on the strength of stones beneath you. Ground yourself in a firm sense of who you are. Stand as a beacon welcoming the next seeker and shine far beyond the lentil and sill. Open all that you are. Heighten and deepen your connections to the world around you. Broaden your definition of neighbor. Grow into the largest target for grace that you can muster and pray to become a gateway for even greater love and compassion. Open up the doors, my friends, lest we keep the stranger out and contemn ourselves to prisons of our own making.
Most Sundays here, I have a moment where I wish I could split myself in two. It happened again today. Often, but not always, it happens during the opening words or the introit or the chalice lighting, some moment early in the service. I am up here and I see new people enter the commons. Often, but not always, there are people I don't recognize, people who are here for the first time or one of the first times, and then they start searching for a place to sit. And often, but not always, it takes them a while to find seats, especially if they are a group of two or three or more. They crane their necks and walk up the aisles and look around the room for where there is room for them. And so I'm up here wishing I could somehow step off the chancel and greet these latecomers and guide them to the seats that I can see because I have this high perch, but they can't see because they are on the same level as all of the chairs. And often, but not always, they find somewhere to sit and that desire to be in two places at once subsides until the next people come in and then it wells up in me again. So perhaps you've been those latecomers searching for a seat or noticed the people searching and help them find room. Today, I'm inviting all of you, all of us, to think and dream and imagine adding a second worship service to our life here, which would make more room for everyone searching for a seat. And before I get into ideas and logistics about all of this, I want to make sure you all know that this is a high compliment. The situation we find ourselves in says great things about this church and the community we've created here. People want to be here. People want what you are providing, what we have to offer. In a time when religious participation overall is declining and so many of the national leaders of denominations and religious associations and other bodies are panicking about the future of the church, we are running counter to that. We are full, even over full, most Sundays. And we are doing something right. So you all are doing something right. Thank you for being a wonderful church. Thank you for creating a community that people want to join. Which brings us to our happy problem, our happy challenge. The challenge is that being a great church, a great organization of any type, create. And the fact that it's born out of a happy situation doesn't make it any less challenging. We are at capacity in this room most Sundays. The people who study congregational attendance patterns, and the fact that there are people who study this delights me, um, tell us that a worship space feels at capacity for mainstream American culture, which you can read as white and middle class and a whole host of other things, when 80% of the prime seats are full. This, of course, is a cultural norm, and so if we had different ideas about personal space or sitting in the front row, which is usually always mostly empty, uh, it wouldn't matter quite so much. But we all have our preferences, which are especially strong the first few times that we are here. 
So, so far this fall, we've had eight services. And this room has been averaging 82% full during the part of the service when our children and our, and our youth and their religious education teachers are here. And in my calculations, I didn't bother with ideas of what is a prime seat or a desirable seat because I didn't want to have to make those judgments and sit in the various seats and guess. So we're probably, so if we're doing that, it's more than 82%. And there have been a number of Sundays when we've been much higher than this. This room was 97% full on the Sunday Diane Melvin, our director of religious education, preached last month. So those attendance pattern experts would tell us that being consistently over 80% full communicates to visitors that there isn't much room here for them. Is this the message we want to send? This doesn't mean we don't have new members and newcomers, because we do. Every week there are people here who have never been here before. And these new people and the ones who join and join in with our community are largely taking the place of folks who have died or moved away or drifted away. There isn't room for new people to join this community in significant numbers right now. And it seems like a lot of folks are seeking what is on offer here at this church. So today I'm inviting us to begin the conversation. We need to think about what we want to communicate with our words and our programming we need to explore adding another service, dwelling in this possibility, even if we ultimately decide it is not the right thing for us to do right now. There are a few fixes that might get us out of the situation without adding a service. We could get more chairs in this room somehow. I don't think we could add a whole lot, and I don't know what the fire code capacity is. We're probably not too far from it, frankly. And I've had, and on another note, I've had a few conversations with various groups in this church about this already, and some people have suggested that we shouldn't have the children in the service at the beginning. It would make a lot more room. About a third of the, of the room leaves when the kids and the teachers go. But I think the cost of asking our children and teachers to not be in this room with us is too high to bear. It is vitally important for our children to worship with us. We need to see their faces and know who they are, and they need to see our faces and know who we are. They need to sing our songs and learn our rituals and lead some of our rituals. And the people who study these things, which again, I love that there's all these people with these very niche researches, um, tell us that the highest predictor of adult worship attendance is the amount of time spent in worship as a child. Now, we know that the goal of our religious education program is not to create adults who go to Unitarian Universalist churches. We have a much higher ambition than that, but I want every child who grows up in this church to know wherever life takes them that they have a home here at People's Church and in Unitarian Universalism more broadly and participation in the service is how they learn that in their bones, when our rituals and our routines feel familiar to them. And so when they come later as adults seeking home, it will feel familiar. 
so back to this idea of a second service. What might that look like? The easiest answer is that we would have two identical services on Sunday mornings, both a replica largely of what we do now. The way that we worship now is clearly working. And I'm not sure that's the right answer for us. We will find out as we explore this together in conversations and surveys and in other ways. I invite us to think boldly about what a second service might look like. I want you to imagine the service that speaks to you more than the one that, than our services right now. What does that service include? When does it happen? I have a few possibilities that I'm going to offer up this morning, and I want you not to think of them as a menu that you get to pick from, but as just the first inklings of ideas that you can take and run, run with, or pick something totally out, totally different, and run with that. So perhaps a Sunday service does not meet, a second service does not meet on Sunday mornings. There are people in Kalamazoo who work on Sunday mornings that would come to a service held at a different time. We know there are people in our church right now who work a third shift, and our current service is right in the middle of when they sleep. So they are involved in our church programming at other times, but never on Sunday morning. In the church where I interned on my way into the ministry, they had four worship services a week, including a 4.30 p.m. service on Sunday, and it was highly attended. People liked ending their weekend with church, which is different than how we're used to thinking of our routines, but it might be worth exploring. I'm not sure something like that would work here, but as we talk about this and explore, we'll explore that. The second service could also be different than the service we have now in its tone or structure or focus. And I have a few ideas for how that could happen. So last week, we experimented with inviting us all to be more in our bodies during the service. What if the new service was like that every week, planned for more participation and interaction? What if the two services had different music? There's way a lot of churches sort by contemporary and traditional, whatever that actually means. Um, and we could do that. It would be a lot of <laughs> big ask for our music folks, but we have a lot of talented musicians here. Another idea is having a second service that follows the same theme as the first service, or this existing service. I don't know when the timing will be, so calling it first and second, I don't know if that's the right words. But has a radically different structure. This service would have more ritual, perhaps more song, drawing on practices in youth and young adult Unitarian Universalist worship, worshiping communities. It would be more participatory. A service like this could appeal to a lot of people and might work as an all-ages service every week. There's a lot of people for whom a 20 to 25-minute sermon is just not their way of being spiritually grounded, and I know that. And there's a lot of people for whom it is. And so we're drawing those balances. So I like the idea of something that appeals to people of all ages because right now, most every Sunday, my son worships at St. Luke's Episcopal Church. And he's 
in the service every week. And at age two, he knows when to say amen. And he holds up his arms like the priest during the consecration. And it's in his bones. And I would love for our children to have that too. It would be a totally different thing, but it would be a similar knowing the rituals that deeply. And I think that's powerful. I'm not quite sure what that would look like, but I would love to figure it out. Other ideas include a service that's more contemplative, so with more longer stretches of silence, more meditation, probably a shorter sermon to make that happen. Other people have suggested ideas of having a service that is slightly different theologically. So what if we had a service that's more attuned to religious naturalism than we get to be every week here? I don't know. These are just a few ideas, and I hope they inspire your imagining. If you could create a service from scratch, what would it be? Our hope is to create something that about a third of the people who are currently attending at 1045 on Sundays would, would, change, would go to, creating critical mass for that service to feel alive and lively and, leave, and creating enough room in this service for the people who want what this is and the seekers who want what we, what we are already doing. And some of you are likely wondering how we get from there, from here to there. There's a process that we're putting together um, and putting a team together, which includes people with roles in the music committee, religious education, and Sunday services, as well as other interested folks, to be a listening and design team. So the members of the team so far include Chris Semmelbauer, Jenny Henley, Greg Feldmeyer, Gordon Bolar, Beth Bulmer, Jane Ledley, Marge Leitner, and Susan Mordike. And if you would like to join in this work and serve the church in this way, please let me know. We could use a few more folks to help us guide this conversation. So right now, we're reading materials from the Unitarian Universalist Association about how to add a service. We're still designing our process, but there will likely be meetings where we hope you will share your opinions and ideas about all this. There'll probably be some sort of massive survey about worship style and worship time so we can figure out what might balance us out in terms of attendance patterns. And we'll start this in early 2018. So we're not going to try to squeeze anything more into your December because we know that's not a time to try to squeeze anything more into anyone's life and to give you all really some time to sit with this and start thinking because... I know our ideas that we come up with together are going to be better than any one person's ideas about this. So at this point, my thinking is we'll distill all of this somehow and come up with a proposal that we'll bring to the board in March or early April before my parental leave. But if it turns out that timeline is just too compressed to manage, we will continue the conversation when I come back. We know that this community as a whole is wiser than any of us are individually. So I hope you start dreaming and start participating in this decision-making process. Adding a second service, whenever it happens in whatever form it takes, would impact everything we do here. Diane and I have been talking about how this would impact our religious education 
programs for children and youth. And one of our hopes is that a second service would allow people the possibility to both teach and be in the service every week. So often, not wanting to miss the service is a reason why people don't volunteer in religious education, and that makes a lot of sense. But perhaps a second service would change that. I once attended a large church, and almost always I went to a 9 a.m. service and, it, and taught seventh graders during the 11 a.m. service. And it was nice to both feed and serve on the same morning. Made for a long morning, and we know not everybody wants to commit to being here the whole time for three or four hours altogether. But it was powerful to participate in that way. So Diane, the RE committee, and other RE leaders are going to be helping us think through how we do that if we do that here. And religious education is just a small piece of this puzzle. There's music. Will it be the same at both services or different? Will, when will the choir sing? Music staff and the music committee will be formulating plans around this. There's also staffing considerations. How will this impact the staff? Will we need to shift people's hours and responsibilities? If I am planning and leading two services a week, especially if they are not identical, I will have to stop doing something that I'm currently doing, and how will we manage that? And there are all the volunteer roles that make everything happen so smoothly on Sundays, from our AV team running the sound and the slides, to the membership and connections committee folks at the welcome desks, the finance committee who counts the offering every week, and so many others who serve the church. So it's a lot to think through, and we know that. That's why we're giving us months to sit with this, to talk to one another, talk to me. We'll figure out what the right way forward might be. For me, the reality that there is not enough room for everyone who wants to be here breaks my heart and spurs me to action. It makes me want to create room by creating another service and wade into this thicket of logistics and plans to see what we can create. I don't expect all of you to react to this situation in the same way. Frankly, I'd be shocked and maybe a little disappointed if everyone was 100% on board right now. I want you all to react differently. We are, a we are a community of diverse thinkers, and we should all have different opinions about this kind of thing. That's why we're starting the conversation now, at least 10 months, maybe longer, before anything changes. So you can all sit with these realities and these possibilities and start imagining. And dear ones, change, even if we have months to think and plan for it, can be difficult. It can be painful. Some in this community might, might well mourn if we add a service. If we add a service, it will change things here. If we add a service, it will feel different. If we add a service, we won't all be together at the same time. If we add a service, we won't see all our friends because some of them will be at the other service. If, in making room, we invite more people into joining the church, there'll be people that we hear, other people's people that we don't recognize and we don't know. Many parts of our life together will be different in both good and bad ways 
It's a lot to take on and a lot to imagine. And there are special circumstances here at People's Church that might make this change hard too. The last time People's Church had two services was about 20 years ago, right before the fight that led to the church split when some people left to start the Unitarian Universalist Community Church in Portage. Perhaps the talk of adding another service brings back memories of that conflicted time for you. Whatever it is you are feeling and thinking about this possibility, joy and anticipation or fear and grief, know that it's okay. Attend to your emotions. I'm available to talk with you about any of it if that's helpful. Your church leadership and I are thinking hard about the ways we can better bind this community together as one, whether or not there are two services. Social, social activities, like the happy hour at, on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. at One Well. We didn't get an announcement in, so I'm making it now. I hope you come. Children are allowed until 9 p.m. There's lots of games, and it's a, as you know, bars or breweries go, it's a very family-friendly one. I hope you can come. And we also try to bind us together through adult religious education classes and chalice circles. We need times other than Sunday mornings to gather together and know one another. We are working on this. So let us dwell together in possibility, imagining the many possibilities before us. Let us dream boldly and share our ideas with one another. May we create services, education, programs, community that are so inspiring and so welcoming and so loving that people can't help but hear the good news about what happens here and want to join with us. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen.